Hey, this is Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh, now part of the Ditchin Network. How's it going, guys? Thanks so much for being here with us today. Before we get started in the show notes, a link to become part of the Greener Grass family. Join in and you'll get all of our good stuff via email. All right, today. This is Dr. Janae Davis. She is the now resident doctor here on Greener Grass and Expecting Aurelis. We love her everywhere. We can put her um, on the airwaves. And today we asked her to talk about good sex and how to have better sex and what's dysfunctional sex. And we asked all the questions that were never answered in fifth grade, you know, sex ed, all the way up until being in our 40s and for some reason never got these questions answered. So, uh, this was so fun. Me and Kelly did it together. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Let's get started. I've been waiting for this topic. I'm ready. Kelly, you start. How do I start? This is about sex. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Okay. What are we questioning today about sex? Like, no. Okay. So, so we want to know <laughs> what do people need to know about how to have better SEX Venus sitting right uh, underneath me? Am I allowed to say the words in front of me? Yes, because she have to Oh, I was going to say it. Yes, you know, I do what we're talking she can about. just hear me. So Janae, you're going to tell us what things are going to help us have better sex. Listen, I'm all in on this for sure. All right. Well, so it's so funny because when you guys ask me, I'm like, are you looking for Janae Davis answer? Are you looking for a clinical answer? Like what's going to, so we're looking for both. Right, right. right. So first thing I think when we talk about better and sexually active and um, level of intimacy and um, how good air quoting good something is or not, it's, such a relative situation, right? Um, when we talk about sexual dysfunction, as far as gynecology is considered, it's really only defined as dysfunctional if it's causing a problem in the relationship. So for example, I have some 30-year-old couples who have sex only to procreate. That is it. They go five years without having sex ever, and they are perfectly happy in their sexual relationship because they are essentially asexual. They just don't have that drive but they are so emotionally connected with each other. So intimate, love their life partnering, and it's totally fine. So there's no dysfunction in that. And I literally had, and I think I probably told you about it one other day, I had a 70 something, 70 plus year old couple married over 40 years. And it's the first time I saw them and the guy sitting on the chair and the woman was there on the bed with her little bun, similar to my little bun. And they were sitting there, sorry, oops, sorry. sitting there and he said, I want you to check her hormones. And I was like, oh, nice to meet you, sir. Uh, whatever, uh, what, what's going on, ma'am? Because I don't appreciate men speaking for women in my office. Uh, he said, well, interrupted her. We've had sex every day that we've been married except when she had those kids. And now she only wants to have sex every other day. Oh my God. Something's wrong with her. <laughs> I was like, noted. I got to mark this as a dysfunction, even though he is clearly the only dysfunction in the relationship, but I have to mark it as dysfunctional because it's causing issue within the relationship. So I think one thing that women get, get, uh, confused about and self-conscious about, right. And judgy about and insecure about, and all the other things is what am I doing in relation to other people? So do I know if I'm doing it right or having enough or good enough? Or does what kind of reflection does that mean on where I am in my life and where I am with my partner? And so I tell people all the time, like, this is a you issue. This isn't a everybody else's issue. You get to decide where you want to be in your life um, with your partner, with your external um, stressors, with your 
um, body image, with your whatever it is, to come up with what works for you. And that is where we define dysfunction or not dysfunction. Does that make sense? Do you think communication, this is so inter interesting to me already. Do sure. you think communication is the one thing because technically in a relationship, one person could think there's dysfunction in the situation and one person might not think there's any dysfunction. So is it just communication that keeps both people on the same path? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Some people come in and they're devastated because they haven't had sex and they want to get that feeling back. They just don't because they're having their own personal situation with their um, body image, with they had an assault, you know, they um, are trying to work through some marital or relationship issue with infidelity and they just can't get back there in their mind. They miss that. They want that. It's not a communication problem. It's an internal problem, which is... Uh, why we start from the center of ourselves when we're discussing with women how they feel about their sexual health. Because there's sex, the act of having, um, just because I want to have that and I want to have an orgasmic response that decreases my stress levels, it's an outlet, increases blood flow, I feel energized, whatever it is. And then there's sex because I want to feel intimate and close with my partner in a way that I don't with other people who don't see me in a vulnerable position. Um, then there's just, I just want to do this for pregnancy purposes. I just need to get this done. Um, there's obligatory intercourse, right? Like up, oh, we're married every Tuesday at 3 PM. This is what we do because that's what I said I was going to do. So I do it and it has nothing to do with wanting it. It's just part of, this is what we do. So I wouldn't say communication is the only thing that says whether something is dysfunctional. It's the feeling of the person, you know, like, and is the dysfunctional appropriate to their time of their life? You know, a man wanting to have sex every day when his woman is in the six weeks period is just because they disagree about that doesn't mean that it's dysfunctional. He's inappropriate. You know, that's different than, yeah. you know, or not giving someone some grace when they have had a, a death in the family and they're in a grief response. That's not dysfunctional sex. That's just, um, you know, that person is not in the mindset because of a situation. So it's not always just communication. That was a long winded answer. You guys know me. So <laughs> I, I am in this space, which listen, I need to come see you personally, okay, okay. whatever. But because I know you don't like to talk about menopause and perimenopause, but I do, are you, I think I've heard you say that before. Well, as it relates to just in general, but I'm happy to talk about it as it relates to sexual yeah, health. I am starting to like, I'm going to be 47 this year and kudos to Jeff and I, Jeff and I have great sex. We love to have like, that's like part of our deal. You know what I mean? Like we're, I think right. we're in a different phase in our life where we didn't have kids together. So we don't have like all of this stress in our lives. Like, you know what I mean? Like we, yeah. I hear stories about other people and they're like, oh my gosh, it's like not even an option anymore because I'm so dry. Like all of these things are changing sure. in the world and like what tips are, and I'm starting to be in this phase where I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is where, where I'm going to be in life. Like all those things um, which is why I want to come see you. It's not happening yet, but I feel like I just want to get ahead of the game. I want to get ahead of the game, but like how, you know, what tips do you have? Because I have talked to friends who are literally like, it is like a dead no for me in the relationship right now. Not because there's not an aspect that I want to, but like, I just physically am not in that space because I'm too dry or it's uncomfortable or it's like, I just, it's completely different than how it was two years ago. 
Sure, absolutely. So multiple things happening during menopause. And I want to say for all the listeners, it is not all to be lost. You know, as soon as we start having periods for everybody, um, there is a spectrum for some people who are absolutely unaffected by menopause as far as how they are with their sexual health. And then there's some people who are drastically um, and incapacitatedly affected with their sexual health during menopause. So um, several things happen to our bodies in general when we're going through menopause or perimenopause, which can last for you know two to 10 years before you completely stop having cycles. Um, and we define menopause by 12 months of no bleeding from your vagina period. Like that's when you would be considered postmenopausal. So in that two to 10 year range before that actually happens, you have a myriad of different changes that happen in our body notwithstanding that your estrogen levels are going to fall. And estrogen, I tell people, is like um, what brings blood flow to your uterus? What brings blood flow to your vagina? Um, it's in opposition of prolactin. So whenever you are breastfeeding, which is when your prolactin is high, your estrogen is really low. So high prolactin, I'm breastfeeding. My vagina feels like I'm 90 years old. Oh, I stopped breastfeeding. My prolactin goes down. My estrogen goes back up. Oh, I can have sex again because there's elasticity to the tissue in my vagina. Um, it doesn't feel like sandpaper inside there whenever I'm having sex. So the lower you have of estrogen load in your body affects that, that genital tissue in a way that decreases the blood flow, which makes it not lubricate itself as well as it used to. So that's when people are talking about lubrication. Um, I always tell people there's not like two little happy pockets, happy pockets of juice that sit down in our vagina and, Hey, he's stimulating me, squeeze this happy pockets juice, shoot out. And I'm shooting a whatever. No, that's not what happens. The only thing that happens to lubricate us during intercourse is, hey, I'm excited. Okay. So then as I'm excited, I get more blood flow down towards the clitoris, towards the labia, towards the any genital tissue that's down there. And as we engorge that tissue with blood vessels, the exudate from those tissues squeezes out into our vagina and we lubricate ourselves. So one of the communication tools that is really important in the perimenopause time period is that a lot of women look at, oh my God, my lubricant as something bad. I, yes. bitch, I've been using lubricant since in my 30s and I'm super happy to be having sex when I am having sex, but I don't like need my labia dragged up inside my vagina. I don't need, I just want it to feel the way that I want it to feel without any restriction. So I like lubricant and that's totally fine, but it does not have a reflection. And I tell women all the time, there's no reflection on how excited you are to be with your partner. Um, because a lot of women are stuck with, I used to like slop all over this bed and now he can barely get it in there. And I don't want him to think that I'm not happy with him. And then they become self-conscious, which makes them not want to participate in the yeah. same way that men who have erectile dysfunction don't want to participate because they don't know that they can finish that. And so their partners feel like he doesn't think I'm attractive, but really it's because he's concerned that he may not be able to finish this act. Um, so that's where I would say communication is key is for us to recognize and understand and allow our bodies to change in the ways that they are supposed to. And that naturally that they do and not put a judgment on ourselves for how sexual we could be in the future because of our lubrication potential, right? Yeah. If we have a person who does not have elasticity in their tissue, it tears when he puts his penis inside here. That's completely different than somebody who has a lubrication problem. If you still have elasticity in your tissue, but you, but you can't lubricate yourself, we would prefer you just to use a lubricant. My favorite is Uber Lube. It's a silicone-based lubricant that's really good. Uber-like driving a car around Uber um, because it's, um, it wipes off really easily. It actually moisturizes the tissue when you're done. It's super, super slick. You don't need a ton of it. It doesn't feel like you're like slopping 
Vaseline jelly up your vagina all day. So that's why I particularly like it. And it's really good for my postmenopausal patients. But for patients who have that tearing, hey, it's burning really bad. It's tearing. I'm, I'm bleeding after intercourse. We, we do have to provide them with vaginal estrogen that brings more elasticity actually to that tissue. So everybody who has dryness does not need estrogen. People who have tearing and tissue quality problems who cannot engage in intercourse in a way that they want to, penetrative intercourse in a way that they want to, we would offer vaginal estrogen. So I know you're mostly with women. I have 20 million questions, but you're with women mostly. And so you might not be able to answer this, but I would think, and I could be totally wrong, that men going through that change and having erectile dysfunction is harder for them than a woman going through her shift. Is that true or not true? Or do we, is every person different, I guess? I think that's every person different. I, there's a lot of things that unfortunately happen to men um, that don't happen to us, right? We don't get prostate cancer because we don't have a prostate. Um, so we don't, ha- you know, there's some urinary things that happen with men that don't happen with us due to our differences in anatomy. So surgery um, around that realm, um, men have worse cardiovascular disease than women do. So are on more medications like antihypertensive medications or diabetic medications that disrupt blood flow in their systems. Um, and whether or not they feel like that um, active intercourse was relevant to their relationship. There are people who I'm like, um, are you sexually active? Men, women, or both? They tell me, yeah, you're nay. And then I say, how often? And what is your sex drive, low, medium, or high? Some people are like, girl, I got a high sex drive. I'm like, how often? And she's like, girl, I mean, like, <laughs> every two months we getting it in. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, she yeah. thinks that's a high, whereas some people say, my sex drive is super low. How often? Once a week. Oh my gosh. It's, it's almost nothing. My sex drive is nothing. So that's where the relative to what it was in the past, if a woman had sex once a month in the past, and she just has to use a lubricant once a month. Okay, fine. If a guy's used to having sex with his wife every night and he can't do that now, except every other night, he might find that really impactful. So it just depends on the individual relationship. Okay. This Oh, Carrie's coming back, but another question and Carrie, I don't know. Do you want to ask your question? I have another question. I'm going to say my question so I don't forget it. Um, but then Carrie, you can ask your question. And I mean, if you want to, but I remember on the last time we had you, one of the things you talked about was knowing yourself and you were like, get a vibrator, get a, do all the things. And I don't even know if at this time I said this, but like, I've never been a, well, I've just never been a vibrator girl for some reason in my head. Like, this is ridiculous what I'm about to say, but listen, okay. all people. Okay. But like, for some reason it feels dirty to me, not like dirty, like sex dirty. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to shove something up inside me. That's like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why I think it's like germy or something in my brain. Anyway, okay. what do you think is important about knowing about yourself that helps you have ultimate, like better sex with a partner because you know yourself, because I mean, I'm 47. I don't even know if I know myself, but like, what do you think when you said that? What did you mean by that? I know you don't know what I'm talking about for vibrator use because I don't even use penetrative vibrators. I only use it on my clitoris. So what in the world are you even talking about? <laughs> That's a person- Listen, this is what I'm <laughs> talking about. Oh, oh my God. No, yes. um, no, I would say, and when I say better sex for people, I'm speaking almost exclusively to people who number one are not not satisfied with the sexual um, activity that they're having at the time or are struggling with being able to have orgasms. I have people come in and say, I've never had an orgasm in my life. I'm like, 
have you only tried with other people, you know, or have you tried by yourself? That's a completely different conversation. Um, and for people who think that they're anorgasmic or are not able to have an, an orgasm, we can have, we can make people in a coma, have an orgasm with stimulation. That's why the act of sex is different than making love to a person or having sex. And that's why it's really important for people to separate that in their mind and delineate when they're making personal judgments about what they do in their life. People who use a vibrator every single day and only have sex with their partner, intimate sex once every six months, maybe they're just sexual people and they like the feeling of an orgasm that by the way, you can get with a vibrator in less than five minutes for a lot of people, two minutes, if you know how to use that appropriately for yourself, same way that we would collect sperm from a person who's in a coma, who we are trying to inseminate as waifu, there was a horrible accident. Like you stimulating certain nerves in your system can produce an orgasm just because, but it doesn't mean that you have to like that Kelly in your interactions of sex with other people. Do you know what I mean? Or by yourself. If you're not sitting around by yourself, like, oh my God, I really feel some kind of way if I don't have an orgasm right now, you don't ever need to use a vibrator. And that doesn't mean that you're missing out. You're just not using it in the same way as a tool to be successful for a lot of women who add that to their repertoire of things that they can do for their sexual health that makes them feel particularly good. I have a lot of women in their 50s, you know, hey, my husband passed away or this, that, the other, or had prostate surgery, older women who have never used vibratory devices ever. And I have to have that conversation with them. And I have some of them send me back a my chart message. OMG, what have I been doing? Like, <laughs> how did I miss it? As a little plug and no, they're not kidding me. No, they don't know that I said it, but there's a website and it's um, omgyes.com. And omgyes, I think I wish every woman had known about omgyes.com before. And um, as a provider, I can get like a special access to go in the Kelly's writing taking notes right now well, I hope all you listeners do because not to say that <laughs> we should be sharing passwords because it's a little bit pricey but it's basically an access that you have to women sitting around just like this talking about how do I masturbate how do I what position is the position that I'm supposed to, what is this g-spot stuff like what happens if I what kind of lubricants am I supposed to be using all these conversations literally just like this with women showing you how to be with yourself or be with other people in real time, in real people, um, and all kinds of um, just access to information for things that you may not have access to a podcast with Janae, da podcast with Janae Davis, who doesn't care about saying vagina a thousand times, you know, or something to share with your partner and come up with a shared language that you guys can talk about. What does, why are my labia sensitive or not sensitive? Some women, 40% of almost can only have an orgasm with clitoral stimulation. If you, Kelly, are a person who has penetrative orgasms, good for you, but a lot of women could have sex their entire life with a penis up their vagina and never have an orgasm unless they have a okay, clitoral I'm stimulation. <laughs> I'm holding yes, up my hand. Let's Listen, go for it. Th that is the segue because I okay. want to know what the scientific, G what is the G-spot? Is it is it a scientific spot you can point to? No. In your anatomy. Well, there is a conglomeration of nervous tissue and increased vascular tissue that because we've studied this. We sliced open cadavers. We did all this stuff. So some people have an extra area of sensitivity in their system um, that can be reached if certain things are done in certain positions. And some women, you could ram on that spot forever and they never feel anything. The problem with intercourse or with sexual studies or sexual health is it's difficult for people who are going to volunteer for this, right? Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let you put all these electrodes all over my 
pelvic area. And then I'm gonna let you stick your finger or some other device inside my vagina and yam it around and with electrodes on me, see what happens to my body. It's a different kind of person who will allow a study like that to happen. They are already in a different space as far as their sexual health. They're already in a different space as how right. comfortable they are with their body. You think that'd be Janae Davis? F no with a capital F, you're not doing that to me. And no, I would never have an orgasm with <laughs> electrodes on myself unless I was drinking and it was part of the like porn thing, but whatever, <laughs> you know, that's a whole other ballgame. But yeah, you know, so is there a spot that is increased vasculature and sensitivity for some women? Yes. If you've never found your G spot, does that mean that you are sexually missing out on something? No. If that's the, that's the short. Okay. I, I need to add you, ask you about the clitoris. Okay. Look, I, I don't know why I'm holding You are, that and that's up. okay. Yes. Yes, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Can you talk about the biology of the clitoris? I've never been explained it's to a, this. It's a mini ever. penis. You know, I mean, that's what it is. It is, um, it has a shaft. It has a head that's hyper, 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 hyper sensitive. Um, there's a sheath that goes over it like foreskin, just like in a man's penis. Um, when people take testosterone supplements, which we can get into people taking all kinds of stuff to increase their sex drive, you can have clitoral megaly, which is where you grow a little penis. I have a patient who has approximately a three and a half centimeter penis clitoris that she takes extra testosterone for because she wants to have a super, super, super high sex drive and understands the risk factor for that to be clitoral megaly and didn't care. She's like, yeah, it's just me and my husband and he dingles it and we like it. So have at, you know? So basically it is essentially the same structure genitalia wise that absorbs blood flow like when in a when a penis erects so when we get excited just like when a man gets an erection when we get excited we get a lot of blood flow which induces lubrication to our vaginal area but a lot of blood flow goes to the clitoris that's why for some women after an orgasm you can't breathe down there touch down there whisk by that down there don't walk too fast yeah. my shit's all sensitive you know that's why after a guy has an orgasm or you're doing, you know, oral sex with a man, he's like, that's, enough, that's, enough, that's, enough. that's what will happen if you pull the shaft back on your little mini penis clitoris. It is essentially the female portion of that. I, I love this. Look, Carrie is shocked. She has <laughs> no, both of me and Callie's are mouths like, are open. Yes. So when people do like, well, because why is that? Why am I 46 and no one's ever explained? Well, I don't know. But me. when you're talking about like someone who stimulates their clitoris, because people who, who don't know that probably don't masturbate very often themselves without some type of device. But a lot of people, when we say clitoral stimulation, we don't mean grab a hold of the little base of your clitoris, which by the way, ladies, because it's your vagina and your clitoris, you could go in the bathroom and hold on to the very base and you could feel a little tiny base, like an ink pen size, but smaller than an ink pen of the base of your clitoris. If you grabbed it and squeezed it, it would be, it would give you a jolt because the nerves that are down there are so hypersensitive. If you get a pimple by your clitoris, as opposed to a pimple on your bum hole, you're like, what the mother blank is going on with this pimple here? I feel like my whole vagina is going to blow up and it's a little tiny ass pimple. You're like, what's your problem? It's because there's so many freaking nerves down there that, that want, that are attempting to be stimulated. But when you use a vibrator, you don't, pull the foreskin back on your clitoris and sham this vibrator onto your clitoris. And there's different types of vibrators. What you, Kelly, so delicately put, yammed at something up there. You're talking about a dildo, which is only one yeah. type of uh, vibrator. There are vibrators as big as an ink pen that you can isolate where it is that you would like to have that vibration area too, that you can stimulate yourself. There are some people who have hypersensitive labia. There's layering that happens. Like sometimes people fold their labia over top of their clitoris because it's too much stimulation for them to put vibratory device directly onto the the head of your clitoris like 
once people are doing oral sex, like some guys and girls think, hey, I'm really going to get, I'm like, how about no? There's such a thing as too much of a good thing. And that's too much. It's because you're too stimulated, not too stimulated, very stimulated down there that that that's too hypersensitive. So putting vibration around the clitoris, on the labia, some people's labias are super sensitive, around the outside of the vagina, just at the very opening of the vagina, just putting the, the vibratory device at the very, very, very opening of the vagina, and you never even go into the vagina. You're not even looking for a G-spot. You're not going back and forth. You are holding that vibratory device to bring blood flow to that area, which is why I tell my postmenopausal patients, might want to add a vibrator to increase the blood flow to the area so that you can have an orgasm easier whenever it's time for you to do that. So yeah, the clitoris is our friend, our friend. We love her. She's so, I didn't name mine, but yeah, you know, I don't do well manually stimulating myself to, to masturbate. I don't, I have to use a vibrator. I just, in my mind, I've never seen that as a thing that, that, I, that I get excited about that something external to myself has to be happening to me personally in my mind for me to enjoy that. So yeah, you both are so funny. Your faces are like jaw drop. What? About sex at your gyno visit? Like, what's happening here? Yeah, listen, my next one I'm calling on Monday. My yeah, OMG yes, you guys all need OMG yes. Do you feel like because I think that you know, Sex in the City, all any show that like really kind of like touched on it, I guess, but. There's all different kinds of things that people get super excited about, fetishes or whatever. Does sure. nothing surprise you? Like, are nothing you? Nothing surprises me. Nothing surprises nothing. you. And and do you feel like not any weird way about anything because you just no. are open to the concept that people are just stimulated and yes, get excited about all sorts of things. Sure. And I want you to enjoy your life. So I'm not here to judge that, right? What the problem that I have is when you are non are engaging in non consensual sexual activity. That's my issue. If you did not leave that um, encounter feeling positive about yourself with either the initiation of it or the conclusion of it, then there's a problem. That's what I have a problem with. Anything else? I don't give a shit what you do. I don't yeah. care. If, you know what? I love them to shove bananas up in my ears and that does it for me. Happy for you. Get, get a whole bunch of bananas. I don't know. You know, or I really love somebody to scratch my head or I really like to be tied up. And I like somebody to slap me. Okay, get slapped in if that's what you like. It's, it's not for me to judge what will stimulate a person sexually. It's not really for anybody to judge because that's the point, right? It's intimate space. There's a lot of patients I have that are in poly relationships or they, they are swingers and they are open to other people participating. Some people get really excited just watching their partner have sex with other people. Have at, just please make sure everyone's safe and you don't have you know HIV or syphilis that we're spreading around to people. But besides, I don't have a judgment on that because think about other mammals like what are we going to, the monogamy and the, the um, social construct that we place on sex is not um, biological. That's us doing that, right? So what sex means in different cultures and different communities is completely different, but we're all human. Just like you wouldn't judge how a dog does or how a cat decides to, or whatever. It's just, however, somebody wants to obtain sexual pleasure for themselves. It's not my business. Just do you feel okay about the encounter, either initiating it or finishing it? Did you feel accosted or put off by that encounter? That's what I'm most concerned with. Is that excitement and whatever, is that mental or is that physical? So those two parts, right? So I can, and with somebody in a coma, physically stimulate them to ejaculate. 
that we can do with nervous stuff. We could, I could, with a female, I could stimulate her enough to have an orgasm if we put electrodes on a person with a vibratory device. So there's the physical, right? And then there's the mental of it. I have some women who say, you know what? Um, I really like to have sex with my husband. That's something we do, but they never have an orgasm. And that's not the goal for them um, because what they like mentally out of it is that their husband is happy or their wife is happy, you know, whatever it is. They just like to have intimacy with that partner. But particularly when people are on medication, um, antidepressant medication sometimes or hypertensive medication, it will blunt the response of your body to be able to mount the type of orgasm that you had before. And so some people are like, I'm, that's not important to me at all. I feel really good with this partner. I just want us to be close as long as they finish. Great. You know, or maybe neither of us even care about that. We just want to spend that time and we do it for 20 minutes. And if nobody gets off, then great. But if people do great, whatever, you know, that it's, but there's some people who emotionally feel like shit having sex twice a week because they feel fat. They feel ugly. My, you know, this doesn't look the same way it used to. Um, I saw him look at a magazine that had fit models in it. And I don't look like that. Um, I think I'm getting fired from my job. There's financial stress in my life. I don't even, I'm not even mentally here for this. Or there's financial stress in my life. I need a stress relief. I need that from my partner because that's where I go to release stress. It's all of it is emotional when you're talking about sex. And that's why the definition of it being good or not has to do with what is the goal that the, what does she want? What did she want in the first place? Did you want the release of the physical release? Get a vibrator. Did you want to have really feel supported you need a, a good partner that you trust and that you feel comfortable with and that's not just somebody you're married to or somebody you've been with for 20 years that's not what that means there's somebody who's been with people for 30 and 40 years like the poor old woman who is supposed to lay her vagina open every single day for the last 40 years and feels zero connection to her husband zero because she is a vessel of pink flesh for him to ejaculate into so, you know, sex is so personal. It's personal with how we feel about ourselves. And then it's personal extended out of that if you want to be outside of yourself with your own personal sexual experiences, because we can have sexual experiences with ourselves. If you want to include a partner in that, what do you want out of that partner? Do you just want physical pleasure? Which case, <laughs> I ain't mad at you, you know? Or do you want, I really need the emotional connection. Well, then you ain't getting that from somebody you're just who only is around to give you physical pleasure, right? And that's happening now with the dating world. Everyone's like, you know, signing up or whatever you put on the apps now to say that you are interested in just, you know, having sex, but not having a relationship. Some people start out thinking that's great. And then they get upset that they don't get the extra emotional part out of what they wanted, which was the finish of the snuggle and the, you can call me tomorrow. And I feel better about myself after this interaction, because I know you're not going and doing that with somebody else and that I'm a special and that this and that. So it just depends. People that are in the zone of, hey, I just want to have sex. They don't care about that. And I'm fine with that. I don't care. Like, go have sex then. I love it. All right. Carrie had her hand up. Go ahead, Carrie. Kelly, do you have to go? Do you have to go? Or no, are you okay? okay for another minute? I'm, so a, I'm too okay. in. So sorry. <laughs> this is a good segue okay. because this is my sure. question. For gay couples and then also just uh, female mm -hmm. male, the uh, the back door. So, is there a biological reason why that might feel good to a human to do the butt, or is it just that emotional image? No, physically like, it feels great. Image. That's why people do it. I'm not that girl. So. Yeah, I'm not that girl either. But that's why people do it. That's why they. So it does feel great to to 
people who it right, feels right. great to. Like, yeah. There's a yeah, the same thing with there. the nerves. All the perineum down there with perineum is the space between your bum bum and your vagina or anus or the space between the testicle. And that's super um, invested with nerves as well. And the tissue that surrounds the anus and intervening tissue in there is super sensitive. And it's all connected. If you put your finger in your bum hole and your finger in your vagina and push those two fingers together, you got probably about at one point less than a centimeter of space between those. Like you, like that, those are essentially all that blood flow, all that sensitivity is essentially in the same space. Does that make sense? So some people will place a vibrator. They don't want insertional. They don't want penetrative um, into their bum hole. But during intercourse, they will put a vibratory device right directly on their anus just because that extra vibration doesn't get in the way of them having vaginal sex, but they just like the sensation of that. Um, a lot of men like for that to be played, like even if they're heterosexual, they just like that area played with or touched or pushed on or anything like that. Just like you could stimulate a baby to have a bowel movement. They say, oh, go rub on that baby to have a bowel movement. They're not having a bowel movement because you thought they were going to have, it's because nerves will, will make sensations happen that cause peristalsis down there. So when we have an orgasm, a guy, when he has an orgasm, has that release and that ejaculation, but women have a contractile, a contraction, like 12 rhythmic contractions of our, of our perineal and uterus and other muscles that are down there that cause that sensation. That's a, that's a reflex that we have. So all that's all connected. Some people's bum bums are more, or as sensitive as their clitoris. I knew none of this. Janae, every time yeah. we get on the, on this, you're just shocked. So, okay. So, so, yeah. beads. so do you know about anal beads? Okay. So yes. for our listeners who do not know about anal beads. So some people like the sensation in their bum, but they don't want a full insertion because if you're not prepared for that or used to that, um, it's, it's uncomfortable. So like, because you feel like you're, you're tearing, you know what I mean? Or if you're not ready for that, you would feel, feel like you were tearing or and maybe have some bleeding and maybe some tearing. So you can go and buy anal beads, which is almost like a string of pearls with space between the pearls is how I would describe that. So you can get different sizes for these anal beads. So you can get very small that are on a, on a hook, uh, not a hook, a loop. And you would put all, you would slip all of those into the anus. So maybe there's 10 beads, you'd say, with spacing of maybe half an inch between. Um, during the orgasm or to get someone excited, they would take, put their finger on the ring and go pull, 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 pull. So you would feel that, that, that ball come out, come out, come out, come out, come out. Cause it's, it stimulates from the inside and that's very, that causes a lot of arousal for a lot of people. So you can get really small beads or you could have, you could have anal beads that are as big as a cue ball or bigger. If, if that, if you were that person and they're on a string, like on a, on a line, and then you pull those out to give this, give that sensation that allows people to have pleasure for our anal bead situation. So if you are interested in trying the back door, the back door, that would be where I would suggest to my listeners to start would be a very small, you can go to Lion's Den or wherever you want to go and they'll have graded sizes. You can get a one, two, three size, you know, like they're like small, medium, a little bit bigger. And you can just look at them and be like, I'm going to gonna try these little BBs right here. Or you can try some marbles or you're going to try whatever, but um, yeah. And then you would go to the Uber lube again, some Uber lube and the lube on that. Yeah. And again, they're not paying me either. They probably should listen to this, but yeah, Uber lube is no joke, man. Yeah. It's great stuff. I feel so Pollyannish sometimes. <laughs> I think I hear that. 
You know what I'm saying? I hear that a lot, and I want to dispel the myth that having, I'm air quoting, traditional sex is not keeping up with the times. It doesn't matter how you have sex as long as you're enjoying it. Like, if you are a missionary girl, and you do missionary, you know, every day and twice on Sunday, and that you get off like that, and your partner thinks it's great, then who the fuck cares? What anybody else is doing the point is that you're experiencing your that you're enjoying your sexual experience and that your partner is connected with you that's the point so some people are like if he ain't moving me if we don't have a swing if we don't have a door swing and anal beats, and i want hot wax poured on me and then i want a leather mask put over top and i want to slap and i want you to put pills into my nails and i need the pills, <laughs> and then i want him to choke me but not choke me too hard but choke me choke me choke me you know have at it, bitch. Like if that's what you need, should I can I get some? I'm currently asexual. I am getting zero. I have nothing in my vagina. I think it grew shot. So have at. I'm so happy to hear a 60 year old tell me she had a missionary five minute encounter with her 70 year old husband. I'm so I'm I'm good for you, Betsy. Mm-hmm, girl, good for you getting some because I ain't. Mm-hmm, Betsy. Yeah. I, love I have a question. Can yeah. it get up there too far? Like What's can a penis? Fine? I mean, like, can you break through your vagina? I feel like sometimes I'm like, they're going to, I'm like, I'm, you're going to touch my IUD and like, are you like in my organs? Do you know what I'm saying? Um, like, if there are two far. I hate to say this out loud, but you can 100% have a perforation of the back or front of your vagina with too much intercourse that is non-controlled. So typically when that happens, if we have a laceration, um, it's usually somebody was using an item. Um, oh. a bottle, a something else that was bigger than what they recognized and it tore the tissue or unfortunately in some cases will puncture through the back of the vagina into the abdominal cavity, in which case that's a surgical emergency and we have to go and take care of that. People are typically traumatized about that and typically the partner is like, oh. and because they were having whatever activity they were having at home that is none of anybody else's business, but it got a little out of, <laughs> out of control, you know? So here we are. That's why God made suture. So yes, yeah. you definitely can. For my women who have had a hysterectomy, please, 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 for the love of effing God, when you have a hysterectomy, we sew across the top of your vagina, which means to say there is no cervix there. There's no uterus there. We sew across the top of your vagina and make it into a blind pouch. When we do that, you have to wait the full six weeks and then go back to your visit with your provider to make sure that you are healed appropriately so that you don't have him yam something in there and pop that open. Like that is a risk after surgery that you should not be having sex without somebody looking up there to make sure that your sutures have dissolved appropriately and that it's okay for you to attempt that. Because um, yes, I've definitely had somebody come in the ER with a loop of bowel hanging out of their vagina because after a hysterectomy, they had sex too early and blew her cuff out. And I was pissed. I'm like, and out Son of a bitch. I got to go down to the operating room and fix this vagina. Okay. Okay. Usually they're using items, but it. has it ever happened because yes. a guy's absolutely. penis is uh, too absolutely. long? Absolutely. 100% correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Compared to the woman's depth. So does every woman have a dif different depth? Absolutely. Everybody has a different girth. Everybody has a different depth. Um, pre-having children, post-having children is different. Um, how much activity you actually do um, can stretch that. I mean, you can fit a 10-pound kid out of there, right? Now think about that. So why would this not? Because over time, with appropriate blood flow and 
hormonal responses, we can stretch that tissue to fit a human out of it. You know what I mean? So yeah. But if you're not prepared for that, or you're in a certain position that was supposed to be like that, or you're five feet tall and shacks your husband, you know what I mean? Like you got to be careful. And uh, number two tip for people, you can get penile bumpers. Okay. So a lot of people who experience what you're talking about, listen, my husband and me never hardly had sex. We got divorced. Thank God. Now I'm with Roger and oh my God, he's huge. He might just be average and maybe Paul was really <laughs> small, but whatever. Roger is just like rocking my world. Oh my God, I can't take it. It feels like he's literally going to bust through my vagina. It feels like a strain, like I'm spraining muscles, like it's really uncomfortable. You can do what most do, which would be take your fists and put them on top of your mons where the hair is so that he can thrust as hard as he wants to, but it still gives you the space of your fist so that he can't go all the way in. For men, Typically, the, the um, success comes from them being able to have a full thrust. But for women, the success does not come from us absorbing a full thrust. We don't necessarily need that. A lot of times, if we angle it appropriately, where the penis is going up and down across our clitoris in a way that is pleasing, or if you're Kelly and can have this jet spot, good for you, Kelly. Um, but you don't need to absorb a full thrust before that's uncomfortable. Some people will place their hands flat on their moms. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the hair right above your clitoris so that that saves them maybe three quarters of an inch or a fist if that needs to save them that much space depending on but a man could still all the way fully thrust that way the other thing that you could do if you feel like you're absorbing way too much of this shenanigans shafty shenanigans is that you could be on top which <laughs> we've talked about my thigh strength not so great you can be on top and lay yourself down onto your partner just chest to chest and as you move yourself that still saves you when you lean down probably Mm, five inches or so, four inches or so from the longest portion of the penis that when you're going up and down, if you're flat with that person and your legs are up, you're saving yourself probably a good five inches of the bottom of the thrust. Does that make sense? That's why when I talk to people about discomfort during intercourse, which is called dyspareunia, I say, can you get into a position that is comfortable for you or is it hurting all the time? Does it hurt with entry or does it hurt with deep thrust? Like those are questions that we would ask when we're trying to figure out are you having a structural problem? Are we having a size problem? Are we having a lubrication problem? You know, th those are some questions. But back, uh, doggy style for a lot of women is horrifically uncomfortable for a lot of women. And they're fine missionary or they're fine turned over. But that the angle of your uterus, depending on how it's either tipped backwards or front ways, if he hits the cervix, it'll make your whole ligaments feel like you are effing getting stabbed in your abdomen, not your vagina, but your abdomen, because those ligaments on the side of your cervix are attached to your sacrum. And that's how your vagina stays where it's supposed to be and doesn't just fall out to our knees when we pee and stuff, you know, like we're attached all together in there. So when you're, when you're stretching or pushing on a cervix, what's attached to your uterus, you're pushing and stretching on ligaments, you know, so you have to just know the position you're at. <laughs> and guys are different. Guys' penises, by the way, aren't all straight. Some of them have curves, some of them, you know, this or that or the other. And so sometimes depending on the curve of your partner's penis, if you're, you know, with a guy, then it can affect what positions will work for you. So talking about penises, and then this is where, where I'm going to drop the mic and leave and go pick up. But I had heard, I had heard once someone that I know, um, they were bent over and he broke his penis, like his <laughs> penis broke. <laughs> You're laughing. I'm not gonna say it correctly but I think it was like uh like a murder had happened blood everywhere 
hospital. Yeah. So he might have ruptured a capsule, like one of his um, spongiform capsules or something. That he wait, so so it actually like the muscle actually. So there's what? a lot of things inside of a penis, and a bone is not one of them, which is why I was laughing, even though we called him boner. <laughs> right. Um, he didn't. So breaking it is funny to me, but he probably did have a. Um, traumatic injury to the vessels that's very like like i just said about our vagina having all kind of blood flow when we're excited well think about the engorgement of that so if a man if i just i mean if you bend anybody's in half just you know on accident that's traumatic and yeah he he probably did burst a capsule and bleed all to hell and have to go in to see a urologist for that hope he can still be in the hospital like it was a whole deal yeah, you need to go to the hospital for that. And you're going to have a catheter because you ain't peeing out of that for a minute, he a, girl. He had a catheter for some time, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. For sure. That's what they I might have woke up, girl. I might have been like, hey, it's not you, it's me. Uh, no thing. Like, I don't know if he'd ever have an erection again looking at that vagina, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, oh. listen, that's, that's my last. I feel like we, I feel like we did it, though. The whole thing, like we talked sex. In. I, I'm I, fine with I, that. I, I, have we? <laughs> Listen, I, I I feel like if we, you have a lot of questions, we can have a 2.0 another time. <laughs> yes. Listen, I love you so much. I know that yeah. I always say this, but I want to go for drinks with you. I, okay. I'm, okay. I'm in, I don't hang out enough with anybody. I'm down. I'm down. I want to be friends. You make me smile every single time. And I'm just going to make an appointment so we can talk about, you know, me. I'm upset because I want to go have drinks with you guys. I've never met Janae in person. I feel really, really weird about that, that I have not I'm met so you in person. You know that I'm Janae so sent me a beautiful, oh. loving, like, uh, gift because I was having a really bad day one day, and she sent me, like, a blanket and, like, it's smelling things that oh, smell we good. We all need just some grace sometimes. It's okay. <sighs> so sweet. I um, loved this conversation because I feel like, I, I think that I do have good sex, but I feel like there's so many millions of things that I didn't know, no, like, or explained things that I maybe was wondering about. Um, I've got the play. Oh, yes. Well, so. we are going to put this up on both Green Grass and Expecting Aerialist because the the fan the fans you have over at Expecting Aerialist <laughs> it's 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 a long oh, list. So um, they're just going to have a you know special guest Kelly. Yeah, um, awesome. Unexpecting well, realist, you guys, but, I don't um, mean to okay. you, Kelly. I appreciate the opportunity, and I'm happy to do it anytime. Dr. Janae, you light up my life. I cannot believe you're practicing in that small town that I grew up in. That, well, Kelly doesn't even live there anymore, but um, oh, man. I really want to meet you in person. Holy, holy crap. One day, one day, one day. Uh, so thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and giving us your knowledge and making it light and fun and digestible and absorbable to learn something new about something that's kind of complicated sometimes, but, um, you just break it down in a way that's, that's, um, easy to understand and then also makes us laugh. So we appreciate you so much and my listeners, we appreciate you as well. Please honor us with a five-star rating and a review Check out Digital Podcast. Check out The Expecting Arialist, all about motherhood and and um, prenatal postpartum. And Dr. Janae is on there a couple times, too, talking about C-sections and what to expect after having a baby and all that good stuff. So, all right, my friends. I'm, I'm, I'm done, over and out. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you guys next time. This is Greener Grass.